Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. We've been in this series called Real Talk where uh, we don't want to just preach theory to our church congregation, whether you're watching online or in person. We want to talk about issues that really affect us right now. Like, how do we live in this right now? What does the Word of God speak to us? We don't want to just hear about stories that are nice and all, but we want to we be able to apply what we hear from the Word. And that's why we've been in this series, Real Talk, talking about those things that matter most to us. What things really are significant. And uh, so Pastor Elena preached last week about your story. It does matter. We all have a story. We all have a journey with our scars, our bruises, the good moments, the bad moments. We bring something to the mix. And when, when coupled with the grace and the mercy of Jesus, our story can be actually a great blessing to others, right? Pastor Keyes was talking about what matters most in life. Relationships matter. People matter to God. When it comes to the heart of God, there's nothing more important to God than his people. We were all, someone say all, we were all created in the image of God for the purpose of relationship with him. God didn't create religion. He created us as moral beings, sons and daughters of God, to have a relationship with him. So we talked about that. I kicked off the series by talking about the fact that truth matters. In a crazy world that we live in, when everyone comes uh, comes up with their own truth, our heads are spinning all the time, like, who's right? And Zach, if we can fix the mic, bring it down just a bit and mute all the others. Um, we live in a, in a season where everything around us is just spinning out of control. What is truth? What is true north? The word of God is truth. From cover to cover, it is fully inspired by God. We can bet our existence on the word of God. It's a roadmap to our destiny. It's, a, it's the blueprint to our lives. It's a, it's a love letter from the heart of God to his children. That's why truth does matter. And we can't come up with our own truth. We discover his truth. Before I jump into today's message, shout out to Penn State graduate Bonnie, who is in the house today. So proud of you. Several of you guys pursuing your degrees. Um, it's never too late to start. Start somewhere. If you feel like that's something that God's called you to do and pursue, hit it. Hit it hard. Go for it and hit the mark. So proud of you, Bonnie. Love you. Welcome home. Again, I don't care if she's a Las Vegas Raiders fan. We still love her. It's all good. Bonnie, if you haven't been water baptized as a Raider fan, there is baptism this Wednesday night. So. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't been water baptized, that's one of our, our most exciting moments of the month. Every, I think it's the third Wednesday of the month, we, we celebrate with you people that are going public with their faith. If it was good enough for Jesus to be baptized, we all should be water baptized. Come on, somebody, right? So let me, let me share some stats that I found recently when it comes to um, our culture and what society would consider to be important. If you were to talk to Jude Stokes about what is important to him, he would say that his shoe game is very, very important to him. Whatever, whatever Jordans are dropped, it's like, Dad. And then he's got to go through his, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, what's the word? I'm, not assignments or work, his uh, allowances and doing his chores. And then he earns it. And then Dad takes him to the store or goes to the Nike app. And boom, there you have it. That's really, really important to him. But research was done and people were, were polled and asked, what are the most important things in your world, in your life right now? And these were the answers. Seven of the top 10 were this. Number one, health is very important. And after a global pandemic, I'd say, yeah, health is very important. 
Health is important. Another one would be relationships are important. Would you agree that relationships are important? Relationships most definitely are important. What happened with COVID was the world became isolated. We all were literally sheltered in place, which for grown-ups, it's like, man, you're on timeout for an extended period of time. Don't leave your house. <laughs> and, uh, and we were all experiencing that together. But we began to realize, like, man, it's difficult to do life alone. Love our online community, Pastor Lamy holding it down, and all of our digital groups that meet all throughout the Bay and around the world. Praise God for technology where we could at least do some Zoom calls and connect, right? There was the upper room, and then there's the upper Zoom. Come on, somebody. So there's a way for us to connect. Praise God. But it's not good for people to be alone. In Genesis, it, it, God was speaking, and he says of Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created a companion. We need one another. Relationships indeed are important. Another thought here, people are saying, what's most important? Peace is important. I would concur with that. And I'm reminded even this weekend of how broken our world is, how there is evil present, how there is injustice and there is hate and violence. Oh, we need the peace of God. It's not something that an institution or legislation can come up with. It has to originate from the heart of God through the people of God in order to bring true transformation. But peace is a value. It's important to people. Another one was purpose. People trying to figure out, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I going through the grind every day just trying to get through another season? Purpose. Discovering identity and purpose. Another word was love. What is love? Baby, mm -mm. Love is important. Love is expressed in so many different ways. The world has redefined love. Love is not what you can get out from something or someone, but what is it that you can contribute towards someone else's success? Love is selfless. Love is giving. It's generous. Caring for those around us. Two more. People saying, what's really important to us? Time. Time is important. <laughs> and when we blink, it's like, man, it's my birthday again. How did that happen, y'all? And it's like, it seems like closer to, that we get to the other side, it's like, man, the clock just ticks a lot quicker than it used to. When I was, when I was young and I was, you know, I was thinking of like summer camps, I can't wait to go to summer camp. It felt like an eternity to wait for those two and a half months. Now you blink and three months went by. Geez, it's almost summertime already. So time, very important. One more, happiness. Happiness is important. Now there's a difference between happiness, fulfillment, and joy. They're not all the same, though they, they're used interchangeably and perhaps it's, it's semantics in some cases. Um, happiness. People say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And there's a movie, Will Smith, The Pursuit of Happiness. We just want to be fulfilled and happy. So these are the things from just a random bunch of people that were pulled. These are things that are most important to them. But then it was just a few years ago, and I found this article on the HuffPost by uh, Kathy Caprino, and she, she did some research, and she says, what is it that, th that the, the American society wants most these days? What is it that Americans really, really want? Which perhaps would be different from other, other regions, other countries of the world, but Americans, she says this, number one thing that they want, number one, happiness. And in that, there's a clause of having fun. Okay. I guess if you're happy and you're experiencing happiness, you're enjoying life, so you're having fun. Number one thing. So the pursuit for entertainment and indulgence and different things. Number two, money. Money, 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 money. It's like, man, what, what do Americans want? More money. All right? Number three, they want personal freedom. And when we say personal freedom, that's not the same as collective freedom. 
Oh, let me go there, Pastor Keys. Because when we talk about the land of the free and brave, freedom wasn't available to everyone. As the good brother would say, let me do what I do. My personal freedom is different than collective freedom. If it's not freedom for all, it's not freedom. And we need to talk about that. When we have real conversations, we need to talk about what true personal freedom means. And we're going to explore that these next few weeks a little bit more. What else do Americans want? Peace of mind. Not just peace, but a clear conscience is what they're saying. Peace of mind. Another one. Balance. In a crazy world that is always tilting in different directions, we just want balance and tranquility. Another one, confidence. And finally, passion. And there's a few others, but these would make the, the top 10 right here. Seven of the top 10. People just want greater confidence. Passion. Passion for what? I don't know. For sports, for, for your, your careers, for whatever. Passion. It's interesting because these two charts, they actually don't mesh. When we talk about, when people were asked, what's most important? And then you ask them, what do you want? What we want oftentimes, if not most of the times, doesn't line up, line up with what we think is most important. Money is not the most important thing in life. You can ask some of the most uh, affluent people on the planet, and there's still a void in many of their hearts and their minds, like, no, it's still not enough. How much money is enough? There's never enough. Praise God that our identity doesn't come from how much money we have in the bank. Our identity doesn't come from our net worth. And by the way, if you've given your life to Jesus and someone were to say, what is your net worth? The blood of Jesus himself. That's how valuable you are to God. God is so crazy about us, jacked up people, messed up people with our issues. He's still, he's still so madly in love with us that he pursues us even with our issues. That's how valuable we are to God. Jesus would actually teach about this when he says, God, God is constantly pursuing. You want to know how valuable you are? Think of a shepherd with a hundred sheep and one drifts away. The shepherd doesn't just say, ah, it's pretty good. 99 is still dope. That's a great number right there. There's still one that's on his mind and on his heart. And he leaves the 99 to go pursue one. That's how important you and I are to God. Doesn't matter how spiritual we are, how put together we are. God continues to pursue us. So when we talk about our values and what's important to us, we got to understand what are the true matters of life that matter most? Let me bring you to our primary text today, and that would be in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read a few verses with you here, and it's going to pop on the screen behind me or on your devices if you're watching at home. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking here. And the context of what he was talking about, he's talking to a group larger than this, and he gets into the conversation about money. He gets into the conversation about possessions. What is it that you own? What are the things that you have? And people are tripping. They're like, man, you're telling us a bunch of great stuff, but they're worried and they're anxious. What about employment and all these other things? People were real different back then. Matthew chapter 6, 25 says this. That is why I tell you to not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father, he feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? As my friend Bob would sing, don't worry about a thing. 
Because before Bob came up with that song, Jesus was already singing it. Don't worry. About a thing, Nudia. Not one thing. Because every little thing, God will take care of. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how, how they grow. They don't work or make, or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, who was the richest dude on the planet in the history of mankind, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And he goes on to say, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what are we going to eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And then here's the key verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Someone say, above all else. Another verse says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Someone say priorities. priorities. Today we're talking about, here's a subtitle for the message, the real talk message on what matters. God matters most, more than anything else, more than our relationships, more than our peace of mind, more than character or even integrity. God matters most. And when it comes to this conversation of real talk, all these other conversations that we have, they have to be God-focused, God-centered, God-balanced, or else it's out of balance. We got to look to life and through life through these lenses of God's perspective. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And maybe you've, you've seen the analogy of the, the different buckets where, where the professor will tell the students, hey, I have this bucket right here, and then I got four other buckets. This one bucket has a bunch of sand and this other bucket has pebbles and this other bucket has small rocks and then these other, this other bucket has big rocks. I need you as a class to grab these four buckets and pour them all into this bucket which is very slightly bigger than these other ones but I need you to fit all of those and squeeze all of them into one bucket. Have you heard that analogy or seen it before? So the student's like, how are we going to do that? And then they screwed up. They started pouring all the sand in and the pebbles and all the different things. And then all of a sudden, these big ginormous rocks wouldn't fit. And the moral of the story was like, no, 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 no. You got to get the big rocks in first, then the medium-sized ones, and then the small ones, the pebbles, and then you just fill the cracks with sand. And the analogy is having to do with priorities. We are consumed with filling our lives with things that are menial and less important. And the things that truly do matter oftentimes are uh, ignored or pushed to the back burner. And then when, bad, when, when the, the important things of life happen, all of a sudden there's no margin within our lives for what really matters. And you find yourself overwhelmed. How did that happen? And the idea is you empty out all those buckets and you say, God, I need to place you first. You're the biggest rock. It starts with God. And that's why I preached even recently. We don't accessorize our lives with Jesus. He is the center point, the focal point of our lives. He is the cornerstone by which our lives are built. If, if, if the metaphor was we're a house, our house must be built on him as the cornerstone, the foundational piece. But many Christians, come on, let's be honest with you or with each other. Many of us, we, 
We see Jesus in our relationship with God like, like when I used to play Monopoly as a kid. And there's one card that's kind of like, I like this little card right here. And it is the get out of jail card. Come on, somebody. So I'm like, I remember that one. That's my favorite card. Many of us, our relationship with God, we, we look at it in the context of get me out of jail card. God, we, we all good until I find myself in trouble. And then when I have no other options and life is tough and complicated and then I pull out my little get out of jail card and that's when I pray. Let's be honest, that's, that's how many of us live. We can go through the motions, we can go to church, check in, check out, join online, watch. Hey, Pastor Lamia, what's going on? Little emojis floating in the air. But our hearts may not be attached to that. God is simply an accessory. He's not the, the main thing. He perhaps is an appetizer or a dessert, but he's not the main course. What Jesus is talking about in this relationship with God Almighty, a God who is perfect, a God who loves us and comes after us, he needs to be number one. He says, y'all tripping off all these other things that don't matter. Don't you think that God can provide for your needs? Don't you think that the God who created you, he knows what's going on in your world? He knows how you think. He knows how you feel. He knows the, the different twists and turns of your journey. You don't think that he cares? And you don't think that he's big enough to handle these things? So Jesus is saying, man, if he can do it for these birds and the flowers or whatever, man, he can most definitely do it for you. He's got you. He cares about you. And he says, but we got to pursue him first. We got to make him number one in our lives. Number one. We have needs and we have desires. That's just reality. We all have them. But God has to be number one. He's got to be the big rock. He matters most. Someone say, he matters most. He, matters he most. does matter most. Online right now. Just start, start topic, typing right now. I need to speak English this morning. Jesus, help me. God matters most. Go ahead and type that in the little chat box right there. Let me know that you're with me. Let's talk about needs and wants just a little bit. Here's some trivial little information that I dug up just to kind of share with our church family. In America... The average American eats about $30 of ice cream per year. In this case, I'm above average. I just got myself recently some Filipino ice cream. I love me some senorita bread. Come on now. But I got myself some avocado ice cream, y'all. $10. And it was worth it. Every single bite. Delicious. So $30 a year on average, that's for some of y'all who don't eat any ice cream at all because I'd be putting down like hundreds on ice cream. The second thought here, the average American spends $1,100 on coffee just in the year 2021, $1,100 per person on coffee. And then the little addendum, millennials spent over $2,000 on coffee. So that, that demographic millennials, Pastor David... $2,000 on coffee. Woo! Americans eat 3 billion pizzas per year collectively. How many pizzas do we eat? 3 billion. B as in Bob. 3 billion pizzas. Woo, I love some pizza though. I feel it. The U.S. spent $36.8 billion on entertainment in 2021. So last year, almost $40 billion on Netflix and everything else that we enjoy. 
because we want to have fun and we want to enjoy, etc. Took Elena in, uh, back in December, flew out to New York for a couple days, and I took her to the Michael Jackson opening show. And when I realized how much it was going to cost, it's called the point of no return. <laughs> oh, snap. I'm invested now. So I had to fast meals for weeks. No, just kidding. But um, <laughs> entertainment, it's Hamilton, expensive, y'all. But we love it. $535 billion was spent on housing in America, whether you rent or own. $535 billion. Real estate agents, that's a lot of money on housing. Watch this. More than housing. You thought your mortgage was expensive. You thought your rent was expensive. $610 billion were spent on clothing and footwear. Jude alone spent about $100 million. <laughs> Out of $610 billion, $100 billion with B, $100 billion were spent on shoes. Jordan, Nikes, Yeezys, you name it. $100 billion. <laughs> Someone said, Pastor, I can't afford my rent. Bruh. $1.77 trillion was spent on food and groceries. It's a lot of food. $1.77 trillion. Woo! And then healthcare, our healthcare bill for 2021 was $3.8 trillion with a T. $3.8 trillion on healthcare. That's a lot of Tylenol right there, y'all. <laughs> Finally, guess where we spent the most money? Someone say. Someone said IRS. You're right, taxes. <laughs> $3.86 trillion was paid to Uncle Sam. Those are just some trivial numbers as far as like where we spend our time, our energy, our resources, our money. And when I would teach our intern classes on basic budgeting principles, if you just summarize it down, and Miriam, shout out to you watching online right now, one of our professors, one of our teachers in financial management, money management, teaching the interns and people when it comes to uh, your budget, there's pretty much two columns, income and expenses. And then you're like, all right, so if I don't have enough income, I can't afford all these expenses. I either got to cut down my expenses or I got to take on another job. Uber Eats, DoorDash, whatever I got to do, hustle on the side so I can balance the books. And we would talk about that. And then I would teach about when it comes to our expenses, those three or those, that category falls into three simple categories categories. Needs, wants, and luxury. And then I would use example like, if you go to the grocery store, you got to buy your basic staples for sure. And then you find yourself going down the ice cream, frozen foods alley. And you see some of them honking dogs ice cream. $14 for like a pint. Woo! And we just, come on now, we just collect about five or six of those. Chocolate, strawberry, your mama, whatever the flavor is, you just bring it into the cart. That there, when you add it all up, and you're like, dang, how did I spend $483 at Safeway today? Hogan does. That's what did it. And you look at the different items there, and you see luxury, wants, and needs. Someone said, but PJJ, you don't understand. It's been a tough stretch. Hogan does was a need. 
girl, I got you. It was. For you, on that week, yes, it was. You needed that break. There's grace and mercy there, bruh. But we oftentimes, we build our lives on luxury items that we don't technically need. And we find ourselves overwhelmed, spread thin, not enough time, not enough money, not enough margin for relationships. And our minds and our head is just spinning out of control. And we're like, this life sucks. Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. There's a lot of things that we are slaves to that were our own choice. God never told you to do that or sign that lease or invest in that whatever. And next thing you know, you're overwhelmed. Jesus says, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. When we team up with him, he does the heavy lifting. So God is not, in our context, in this analogy, God's not luxury. And if I can use it in this context, he's more than just a want, though we should want him. He's a necessity. He's an absolute need. We need God. We don't accessorize with God. We build our lives upon him. We need God. He needs to be number one in our lives. So who is God? In this book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy, he talks about the different attributes of God. Let me just read a few to you. He says, God is incomprehensible. God is eternal. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. That means he's got all the power. God is immutable. It means that he doesn't change. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything or any other source of power. He's self-sufficient. God is self-existent. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. God is holy. God is creator. God is wise. God is transcendent. God is infinite. God is uh, imminent. God is spirit. God is gracious. God is worthy. God is trinity. God is just. God is faithful. God is loving. God is merciful. God is good. All these different attributes and there's still more where that came from. But these are the ones that he highlights. God is good. It's, it's who he is. He can't help but be love. God doesn't just have love. He is love. When it comes to our connection with him then, when it comes to what we as people collectively value and need the most according to the research that we were sharing earlier, what is it that we really value? We talked about happiness and relationships, peace of mind. All those categories, actually, if you think about it, they find their fulfillment in who God is. Not just in what he does, but who he is. For instance, we say, we need more money. The Bible says he is Jehovah Jireh, our? He's our provider. He is the source of provision. At the end of the day, it's not your employer or that contract that you landed. God is behind all, the, all those different things, setting you up to succeed. He is your provider. You thought you got lucky, like, man, I'm so brilliant. I landed this deal. Woo! I got gravy now for six months. I'm, I'm just like, I'm in the black for six months. No, that was God hooking you up. That's the favor of God. You might be intelligent. You might be smart and all that, but you ain't all that in a bag of chips. You still needed the favor of God. God is our provider. God is our protector. You need security. He's your protector. This is what the Bible describes our God as being. He is our peace. One of his names is he's the prince of peace. He is the spirit of peace. You need peace, peace of mind. God is peace. God is our father. We talk about relationship. So many people that walk around with a father wound. Let's be honest, real talk. A lot of people are just hurting because of a lack of connection with their pops. You could have a pops that lives in the house, but is still not present. There are people that have these voids. God can actually fill those voids. He is father. He's actually also a friend, which is trippy to think of. A perfect God, a holy God, an almighty God. He actually is like a friend. 
It says that David was a friend of God. It says that Moses would talk to God in the tent of meaning like a friend talks to a friend. God is a friend of sinners. He's not just a friend of those who are part of the family of God. He loves people. He befriends people. Come on, somebody. He is our father. He is our friend. God is love. God is before time. He transcends time. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning, the middle, and the end. When we say we just need a little more time, it means you need a little more God. God can create margin for us. God is our healer. Speaking of Jesus, he took on himself all the punishment. Therefore, we are, are, we, we're provided with credit in the bank of healing. Whatever it is, whether it's physical, emotional, mental healing, whatever it is that you're struggling with or dealing with or family members dealing with, there is credit in the bank available. Use that debit card. Make a withdrawal. Say, God, I believe. I receive that healing. He is our healer. God is our strength. God is our victory. God is our comforter. God is all we need. And we haven't even begun to, uh, to, to study or research, elaborate on the names of God. If you, if you study all the names of God, both in the Old Testament and the few that are mentioned in the New Testament, each name represents an attribute or a quality of God. He is Jehovah Shalom, which means God is your peace. Out of all the different names of God, one of my favorite ones one of my favorite names of God is Jehovah Shammach. And that one is significant because it means that God is the God that fills in the blank. Whatever it is that you need. You need companionship. You need provision. You need health. You need peace. You need comfort. You need breakthrough. Whatever it is that you need, that one right there. God is Shemak, the God that fills in the blank, whatever it is. The Bible says in Psalms 46, he is a present help in time of need. Whatever you're going through, God is present. He's not long distance. You don't have to go through Pastor Marquise to connect with God. Yo, Keys, can you put in a good word? You can actually connect to God anywhere and everywhere. He knows you. He knows how you talk. He knows how you think. He knows how you pray. I don't even know how to pray. Just talk. That's a prayer. Like you're talking to a friend. Talk to God. You can actually be frustrated with life and even God. And you can have real talk with him. He gets it. He knows exactly how he's wired you. He knows how you think. He knows how you process. We can't impress God. We can't fool God. We can't do more to earn more love from him or do less to earn less. It's, it's all there. God's love is everlasting towards you. Am I preaching to somebody here today? So the names of God, I love the different names of God and we can go on and we sing about his names. The names of God, they're significant to us. That's why in our context, God absolutely matters. God matters most. So our life and our existence, they come from him. Our life is built upon him. Our life includes him. Our life reflects him. Our life is for him. When you turned in the pink, sli uh, pink slip of your life to God and you made that exchange, say, God, my life sucked. I just can't do this out of my own any longer. God, I open my heart to you. Woo! If you want this thing right here, God, you can have this. You give that funky, toxic thing to him, your heart, and you receive his heart now your life doesn't belong to you no more. You sign your life over to him. 
See, now, now people, they, they trip off of this. They're like, no, 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 no. I only want God when I'm in trouble. That's the get out of jail card. But for the rest of the time, I, I want to call the own shots. That's not the exchange. That's not how salvation truly works. That's not what, what it means to live a surrendered life. Some people walk with guilt and shame because they're like, I'm not spiritual enough. I barely read my Bible all of last year, let alone today or this week. And we feel the pressure and the condemnation of the world around us. Listen, we got, that's how slaves think. Come on, somebody. The Israelites, when they were pulled out of captivity, they, they couldn't help but only think like slaves. They had a master that mastered them that way. You were invited into a relationship with him. You're, you're invited into a place where you can talk frankly with God and you can hear him speak truth and love. And he begins to speak things into our lives. Don't walk under condemnation, Paul will say. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. Embrace the new. Embrace the new that God has for you. Another cool thing about this relationship with God is that God is a God of new beginnings. And you, I wish I could go into a time machine and go back in time sometimes. You feel me? Like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go and do a few things that are like, Argh. but today is a new day and his mercies are new today. And I can actually say, God, I, I commit my heart to you fully again today. God, would you clear the pallet? Would you clear the slate? Would you clear the trunk? God, I just repent, surrender fully to you. And he takes us as we are and he gives us a brand new start. That's the cool thing about God. He's a God of new beginnings, fresh starts. Our life reflects him and it points to him. Here's the big idea this morning. If our lives were a movie, God should be the main character. Unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this as well, many times he's just a supporting cast member. We love Jesus, we sing songs, we do some outreach, but many times he's only a support cast member. Woo, you just won the Oscar, God. You're amazing that way. He's not running for the support cast role. He wants to be the main character in your story. Your story is important. He still needs to be the main character. Amen, somebody. So if God truly matters, we should. I'm going to give you three thoughts as we wrap things up today. If God truly matters in our lives, number one, we should align our priorities. We talked about the buckets. Priorities. You'll find out where your priorities are. And it doesn't take a whole lot of discernment. Bust out your phone. Look at your app. Where do you spend most of your time and your resources? Your energy. Where does that all go? Is God just an accessory where like, oh yeah, snap, Sunday morning, one and a half times a month, I go to church. How often do you spend time where you prioritize just connecting with him? Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. Where do you spend your energy, your time, your resources, your money? Is it all about just you? Where is God in this whole equation? Matthew 22, it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when it comes to aligning our priorities, what's most important to, to, to us? God needs to be number one. And then our relationship with him and our relationship with others needs to be number two. I would say it in the context of, of family, God number one, family number two. People are important to God. We don't ignore people, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. 
By the way, my golf coach is in the building. I got to watch out with what I say today. Jason's looking out. Bro, I need some help, seriously, man. Like my swing is just really jacked. You're important to me, not because of what I can get from you, but you are important because of the relationship that God has brought us into. God needs to be number one, and people are important. Priorities, God has to be number one. Someone say, God is number one. So we align our priorities. When it comes to life, doesn't matter what our background is, our upbringing, whether our parents were educated, whether our parents had finances, whether you had two parents or just one or no parents. We all have this in common. We all get the same amount of time every week, 24 hours, seven days a week. We all are allocated the same amount of time. How do you spend that time? We need to choose to prioritize. We align our lives to his life. The second thought, if God really matters, then we should, number two, align our perspectives. This has to do with how we see things. Lord, I don't want to see through my own lenses. I, I need to see through your perspective. I need to see through your lenses. Matthew 7, it says this. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of, of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. But it's trippy because it's easy for us to look at everybody else and judge them. Real talk. Because they think differently than we do. They talk differently. They live differently. Different. So therefore, we think less of them. I actually will be talking a little bit about some of the cultural phenomena that we're experiencing, many of which are not new at all. They're just being heightened right now. We're being reminded. I'll be talking about, what about abortion? The whole Roe v. Wade conversation that we're being reminded of. And, and, and like people are split down the middle. Well, pro-life, pro-choice, honor women, honor babies. What is it? We're going to talk about that a little bit. What does the Bible tell us? If we were all created in the image of God, and we chose to set aside our own biases and our own perspective and say, God, my opinions don't matter as much as yours. And we set those aside. And rather than pointing to, the, to people that are different from us, who have different persuasions, perspectives, preferences, whatever it would be, rather than judging people, if we say, God, I set these things aside and I surrender and submit my life to you. God, give me your perspective on these matters. I think the word of God actually can guide us. I don't think I know. He can actually give us his perspective and he can help us navigate through complicated issues that, yeah, are painful from different angles. Every angle has pain, by the way. Every person behind a perspective is experiencing some form of pain and Jesus came to rescue us all. Whether we agree on stuff or not, he loves us all equally, unconditionally. But our perspectives need to be aligned. How we think and our attitudes, they need to be surrendered and consistent with what the Bible teaches us. That's why we kicked off this entire series with truth matters. God is truth. He doesn't just teach us truth. He is truth. So we align our priorities and our perspectives. And finally, number three, we align our authorities. Like, say what now? <laughs> our authorities. Like, what you talking about? James chapter 4 verse 7 says, so humble yourselves before God 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the NIV version says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Some of you want to do warfare, you're praying. You're commanding the devil to go to hell. Go to hell, devil. You're commanding the devil and evil spirits and demonic entities to leave your life. If you're not living a surrendered life, you have no authority. And the enemy understands the chain of command. He understands authority. You only have authority as you are under authority. If you're not under authority, you have no spiritual authority. That's why a demon was talking to some cats that were trying to be radical. Paul, we know. Who the heck are you? So our lives and our authorities, God needs to be number one, which means our lives are fully, not partially, but fully surrendered to him. Every area of, of our lives must be surrendered to him. Romance, purity, finances, our social life, every aspect of who we are must be surrendered. If he's going to be number one, he needs to be number one over all, not just some. Sometime back, I was trying to help somebody that was navigating through some financial challenges. They, they had great hearts. They loved the community. They, they, could, they could quote a lot of verses. They had been doing the whole church scene for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, it's like all hell came against them. A great marriage all of a sudden was on the rocks. Spouse was leaving them children, losing the business, losing the house. What just happened? The person was saying, I feel like Job. In the conversation, like, what, what have you gotten involved with? Like spiritual warfare. We've been like battling and fasting and to come against principalities and the powers of the air. It's one thing to come against little demon of chocolate. Get out. And there's a whole nother thing when you're coming and taking on some, some entities that have been around for a minute. So this person, and along with the prayer team, was just doing warfare, coming against all these different things. And all of a sudden, the whiplash, all hell is coming against them. I began to visualize their life. It was like, man, you're outside, and this rainstorm, monsoon rain from nowhere showed up, and you're soaking wet because you don't have an umbrella. You haven't been covered. They were doing zealous things for God but they weren't surrendered fully to God and in that particular case it had to do with finances they were doing all these different things for God but then they chose to drift away from living a life where their finances were surrendered to God so all of a sudden they left a door open and all hell came against them you're poking at the beehive and all of a sudden you don't think that that the enemy is going to come back and he looks for the doors that are open in our lives what I'm saying is every area of our life must be submitted and surrendered to God. Every area. We don't leave any doors open to the enemy. Any windows. Come on, somebody. We don't need no roommates. You feel me? God is all we need. That's, that's the only one that we should allow into our lives that way. I'm going to pray for us today because when it comes to this idea of God being number one, it's one thing to get it in our minds and our head. It's another one to come in agreement in our hearts. But I love that God is a God of new beginnings and he's a God of fresh starts. 
He's a God of the great reset. <laughs> uh, even COVID, though I don't think COVID came from God at all. God uses what was not good and he can use it for our good. Literally, you heard me say this before. We were praying right before COVID. God, send us out of these four walls. God says, all right, I'll take you up on that. And you can't come back for a full year. <laughs> God is a God of new beginnings for us. He wants to be number one in our lives, but we have to choose to make him number one in our lives as well. Hey, listen, I'm going to start. I'm going to lead out on two prayers. The first prayer is this. Maybe you're here today and you've never made him number one in your life. You've never given him the pink slip of your life. You've never given him the opportunity to be the Lord of your life. You've been your own boss. And you recognize like, man, I need him in my life. And I don't need him just as an accessory like, like BJJ preached. I need him to take control, to take the wheel of my life. Maybe that's your story today. Perhaps a different scenario played out. Maybe you have invited him before, but you hijacked the wheel again. You kind of kicked him to the passenger seat and you're like, I still love you, God, but I'm going to call the shots. And you realize, man, I, I need him to call the shots. I need him to be the designated driver in my life. Maybe that's your story. Either way, wherever you're at today, the great news that we have, the Bible says anyone, even Raiders fans, come on, Bonnie, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Anyone. So as we do here, which is our family culture, every Sunday, I'm going to lead this prayer out loud. I'm going to invite you online to pray with me as well. Those of you in the building, the family space, all of you, let's repeat this prayer. And if this is a decision you're making, for the first time or a prayer rededication, I guarantee you, God will hear your prayer as well. Amen. Would you repeat this prayer? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I open my heart. I invite you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of doing things my way. I surrender fully to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me now to live a life of purpose where I too will make a difference in other people's lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give a, a little praise. Come on. Allow me to pray this over all of us, those of you online as well, Darnie and Karma Lead and so many of you that are tuned in online right now. Let me pray a blessing over us, God. Even today, we're reminded again that you matter. And not only do you matter, but you matter most. You are the most important thing in our lives. God, it's not about what we can get from you. It's about our connection to you. We were bankrupt. We were completely lost. But in your mercy and in your grace, you came after us. You pursued us. God, we didn't pursue you. You came after us. And you pulled us out of that place of funkiness and just darkness. Lord, and you've given us a new name, a new identity, a new sense of purpose and value. God, we want to honor you above all things. We want to seek first you, your kingdom, your righteousness, understanding that all these other things will be added to us. God, we repent of doing things our own way. We repent for many times shoving you to the back burner. And God, only calling on you when we're in trouble or when we need something. God, forgive us, God. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. God, cast us not away from your presence, as the psalmist said, but renew a right spirit within us, God. 
God, I pray that our priorities would be aligned. Our attitudes and perspectives would be aligned. And the, author the authorities in our lives would be aligned with you. God, we dethrone the flesh. We dethrone uh, the, 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 the evil thoughts of this world. And God, we say, be enthroned in our lives. Be the king of our lives. We surrender fully to you. We honor you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Pastor Elena, would you come and wrap things up? Love you, City Life Church. Those of you online, we love you. Thank you for tuning in.